What's going on, boys and girls? Welcome back to another episode of Eating Shit. If you're new here, the point of this show is to quickly come on here once a week and share the lessons I've learned with you guys in real time so you don't have to make the same dumbass mistakes that I have. Stupid. Or just learn from my experiences in general. If the episode provided value for you, share the show on your story or send it to someone that you think would benefit from it. And also throw up a five-star review on the podcast app or thumbs up on YouTube if you're watching there to help us out with the organic reach. So... Lessons from this week. I got this one in a few different ways um, from giving and receiving it. And basically in a nutshell, um, the, the lesson is on relationships. And if you guys have been watching the Fiki Flips YouTube channel for a while, you know that I always talk about relationships and how important they are in many different aspects of the, of the business, but just in life in general or any type of business that you're in. Um, but more specifically than that, what I want to talk about is providing value to get those relationships. And um, I think a lot of people miss that part because I think a lot of people use it as an excuse because they see people like doing better than them or whatever. And they just think like, oh yeah, I could have done that too. If only I had that relationship. But what they don't understand is like, I guess, yeah, sometimes people are born with relationships or whatever, but more often than not, People just build these relationships over time and they get built by providing value in one way or another. And you can really hit the fast forward button on getting some of these relationships if you provide value right off the bat. So, um, you know, on the on the podcast last week and then on a couple of the most recent Fiki Flips YouTube videos, I've been talking about, you know, going to Birmingham to do uh, virtual wholesaling in that market. And specifically, I've been talking about like, really not building a buyer's list um, before we get deals there. And whenever I talk to people who are new to wholesaling or whatever, they're always worried about the buyer's list. And I get it because they're worried because they're like, well, if I sign a contract with a seller and I can't find a deal, like what happens next? And I always tell people like the buyer's list is the easiest part, especially for like your first few deals. Like once you do deals a lot, yeah, you need like a robust buyer's list with all different types of buyers because different buyers like different types of deals. So like, for example, you know, right now we have like raw land in contract. We have land with utilities in contract. We have moved manufactured home in contract. We have non-moved manufactured home in contract. We have single family in contract. We have heavy rehab in contract, light rehab. So like there are different buyers for all that stuff. Yes. But when you're brand new and you just need to get your first couple deals done, you really only need like one legitimate buyer that, you know, can actually buy shit and just like go do acquisitions for that guy basically. Or even if it like, doesn't really fit what he wants to buy, he probably knows someone in the same market that might want it. And I'm sure that they would be happy to JV it for you. So that's why I tell people not really to stress out about building the buyers list. So I've kind of taken my own advice when we're going to Birmingham with that. And I'm like, I'm not even going to try to like build the buyers list until we have deals. And the reason for that is exactly what I'm talking about here. So now that we got our first couple deals contracted last week in Birmingham, then I started hitting up the buyers. And the reason for that is like buyers get cold called all the time, either by uh, usually by brand new wholesalers that you can tell immediately that they have no fucking clue what they're talking about and will probably never bring you a deal in the future or like VAs that bigger wholesalers use that it's just like painful to talk to them while they go through the script, trying to figure out what the buy box is uh, or what your buy box is, what type of property you like to buy. Um, so I didn't want to be that guy, even though I know we're going to bring them deals. Um, 
I just wanted to wait until we actually had something. So much different conversation when I cold call a buyer that I obviously I've never talked to, uh, I've never met. He's 2000 miles away. He never heard of me. And I say, Hey, um, I have a deal, you know, you're the flip that you did on one, two, five main street. I have a deal under contract at one, two, three main street. And based on the numbers on your last flip, you know, this flip that you sold two months ago, uh, this likes, it looks like it might be a deal for you. Can I send it over? And 99% of the time, they're going to say, fuck yeah, send it right over. Here's my contact info. The only reason they wouldn't say that if they're like not buying for some reason or they have too many projects or something like that. And then in that case, they're still going to give you their contact info. But you can see how that is a much different conversation than just cold calling a buyer and be like, hey, I'm a wholesaler from fucking wherever. And like, what type of property are you interested in buying? Can you do can you handle three more properties per month and all this other bullshit? Um, so that's exactly what, what we did. We got our first few deals in contract um, in Birmingham last week, uh, starting, I guess, a week, week ago from today, Saturday. Um, I cold called this random buyer. His name was Paul. On uh, found him exactly how I just how I just described it. I was using God mode on Investor Lift, and I saw that he did a flip nearby. Called him up and said, "Hey, you know, here's the I have a deal that was right next to your other flip." Uh, you interested in taking a look? He's like, yeah, send it over. Gave me the contact info. He was super into it. Um, and then in exchange, you know, I sent him the deal and I'm like, Hey, um, we are from Nevada. I'm brand new to Alabama. I have no fucking clue what some of these things are worth. Can you help me out with some of the values? And I'll give you, you know, basically first right of refusal on these deals that I have. And he was like, yeah, sure. Send them over. So I sent him the first two that we had. And he's been super helpful on like giving his opinion on the value and ARV. And, you know, we were dead on on both of them, actually, which is good to know that we're not complete idiots like we're feeling like the last couple of weeks when we're trying to contract these things. Um, But that just goes to show you, like, I provided value to him and now he's going to provide value to me. I'm not just like asking for something for nothing. And then uh, even further than that, trying to call more and more buyers over there, I get in contact with uh, a guy that's an acquisition manager for a big fund over there. They're probably, I would think, like the biggest buyer in Birmingham. They buy tons and tons of houses as long as it fits their buy box. They're a buy and hold fund. And um, talking to him, you know, same thing. I gave him two deals right off the bat. And, uh, but he came like heavy out the gate with value. And I was like, dude, this is fucking genius. This is like on steroids, what I have done for people locally here. But, you know, again, like this dude's probably done this for tons and tons of people because he knows that just like by providing this much value, he is going to hit the fast forward button on this relationship and just get way more deals from it. So, you know, same thing. I sent him the deals and, but he told me about their process and he was like, basically because we're a hedge fund, Um, we have to get like our own home inspection on every single deal that we buy. He's like, so what we can do, especially since you guys are from out of the area and you need photos and get it looked at anyway, um, as soon as you contract something that fits our buy box, send it over. And if it seems like it's going to be, you know, either close to a deal or a deal, even at your asking price, um, we will go inspect it because they got to do it anyway. And then that gives us 
the home inspection, uh, photos, and a rehab estimate based on you know their numbers because their their home inspection includes the estimate because that's what they need for the fund or whatever. So it's a little bit even more than a regular home inspection. And he was like, you know, if if we can do the deal, cool. Let's lock it up right there, and it'll be a done deal. And he was like, but even if not, like if you think you can go get more for it on investor lift and like doing dispo on your own, like go for it. It's not going to hurt my feelings, and I'll even give you the photos and the home inspection to go do that with. And um, that was like, I get like you know paying for it because they have to do it anyway. But then to go above and beyond that and give us the photos and the home inspection for it for free, which we're already paying for on every deal. That was like crazy to me. But again, he knows like he's going to, if he offers that to everyone, like who are they going to bring deals to? Like they're just going to go to him because they kind of need him or like they can save money by doing that. And then he's just going to be getting layups all the time without battling for uh, with other buyers on these deals once they go to investor lift or however you're going to dispo it. I'm like, dude, that is, that's a genius way right there. So another good example of just like providing value to get that relationship right now. And that's the same thing that I have done, like running the local meetup here. Like I, I don't run it to like sell a course or whatever. It's, it's just for relationships because I know that if I just teach people how to do what we do, they're going to bring us deals. That's why I started it. And it's like, and I like teaching, obviously that's why I do these videos too. Same shit. It's just on the internet. Um, but that has happened that like, you know, you put out this value for free. I just donate my time and what I've learned and I just put it out there and then it comes back. It's the same, same thing that I'm doing with this podcast right now. It's like, how can you provide value to the general public? And then it just helps you because it helps build your brand and people appreciate it and they resonate with it. And then they give you things in return. Like that's how the shit works. So good example of that as well. And then, um, not related to business. Well, kind of, I guess, um, my this uh, my buddy that I used to work with at the valet, his name's Trevor. He has a little brother named Josh, who I've met a few times, you know, years ago. And uh, I guess Josh listens to this podcast. I didn't even know. And Josh is like a wizard with um, fucking AutoCAD and like fabrication and building all this shit. And he just randomly sends me a video uh, last week of it was like I can't remember what the text was. I think it was just a video at first, and it was like a compilation of him building this sign where. He like went in and zoom, zoomed in on the cover art for this podcast, Eating Shit, and then he cut out the letters on AutoCAD, and then he, he basically made this sign that's like backlit with you know neon lights or whatever, and then it, you know, it says Eating Shit Podcast, a big metal sign. So he was like, your wall was looking a little, little blank, so I figured I'd make this for you. So I don't have it yet, obviously, or it would be hanging up, but eventually – Maybe I'll have to turn the camera around from where I'm sitting right now, but we'll have a legit eating podcast sign thanks to Josh. And same exact thing, like he provided massive value because one, that's fucking sick and that's awesome. Like he knew I would like that shit. And then he's just going to give that to me. And then in return, he's like, yeah, I was hoping that I could like sit down with you and basically pick your brain on some business stuff and all that. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like I, he could have just hit me up with nothing and I would have done that for him anyway, but like he understands even at a young age, like I am going to ask for nothing. I'm just going to give first and then you ask later. So another, another example of what I was thinking about this week, providing value to get those relationships. So, um, do with that what you will. 
gang and uh, a couple wins for this week um got four more deals in contract which is really awesome uh so i think we were at like we have we our last three weeks have been three deals four deals and four deals which is like crazy so i think we have 16 in contract right now we need to start fucking monetizing some of these things but uh we will it's just a waiting game on a lot of them and then um has signed two of our previous contracts and one of which will be our biggest assignment fee ever at 60k biggest before that was 45k um like a year and a half ago so i have had a few like 30 35 40s um but this one's 60 so that's rad um super good so that one should close next week start getting some money back in the in the pipeline and our goal now is just to keep this bitch filled up and just keep contracting more and just trying to dispo as many as we can i think we've we have deals um i think we have six in birmingham right now and i know at least two of them are deals they should be um and then the other two that are like massive rehabs we just still just have no clue until i find out more from the local buyers that actually want to buy that shit um so i'm going to try to figure that out next week those are the ones that like you guys that are local here in nevada this sounds crazy but like we have one in contract for 10 grand and one in contract for 15 grand and like that might might very well be too much uh for these deals like they're just worthless some of them for for how heavy a rehab it is and then the arv is just not there so like if you can hold it as a rental cool but like if you're local there the deals like that are just readily available apparently so they may or may not be deals and then we got um two more and one of them was a package deal for two that we may or may not be able to move just because it's right next to a cemetery which is kind of strange but um other than that like besides the location the number the metrics work good um the numbers look good but again just kind of a weird one that we think is a deal but we're not totally certain just because it changes the value changes so much in these different pockets in this market um but definitely like you know we're what we're shooting for since we're like wholesale only right now um once we start doing more volume is like a 25% fallout rate, which means like we want to be closing 75% of the things that we contract. And like, obviously you want to close a hundred percent of it, but really I think a good way to look at it is um, something that Eric Klein says, like if you have a hundred percent close rate, like you're not taking enough chances, you're not contracting enough things. But if you have like a 30% close rate, 70% fallout rate, um, you're just like way, way wrong on your numbers or you can't dispo at all. So I think basically industry standard from what I can see and the people that do share their numbers is about 75% close rate, 25% fallout rate. So, um, you know, that's the whole point of tracking all that stuff and tracking the projected profit. As long as we have that projected profit coming in at a good amount, we can expect to close 75% of that number and that'll be the actual profit. Like that's all we can really shoot for. And then especially going into the new market, like it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that our fallout rate at first is 50% just who knows. So luckily our first two, one and two that we had got contracted seem to both be deals. And then from there, um, you know, we'll find out more this week on those next ones, but either way pump to, um, you know, just keep that pipeline filled up big difference from where we were at three weeks ago, big difference from where we were at two months ago. Um, so stoked overall. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, share it with someone for me and we will see you next week.